Well, hey, I'm Andy, and on my podcast today, we're going to talk about thinking differently. Could be a bumpy ride. Well, hey, welcome to this week's episode of the Andy McMillan Podcast. I'm Andy, your host. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch. I hope that you're enjoying this content. And hey, if you are, make sure you let me know. You can let me know a couple of different ways. Number one, by subscribing, which by the way, as of this episode, we've broken the 120 subscriber barrier on YouTube. We went from about 92 through over 120 in the last week and a half, which I'm super thankful for. Those of you who are watching, thank you for helping us uh, continue that journey. When you subscribe, when you like stuff, when you uh, share it with people, it helps other people get to see this content. And I want to say thank you so much for doing that. Those of you who are listening and not watching, you're still a part of the group too. Thank you so much for being a part. You can uh, make sure that people know about it as well by sharing that content or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Well, today we are continuing our discussion really about this idea of repentance. And if you didn't see the last episode, uh, you can go back and watch that where we really just begin to talk about this word repent. And we talked about how this word actually has taken on several different forms of meaning over the last several hundred years. And we begin to talk about how it's defined, not as just asking for forgiveness, but it's actually defined in the original language as think differently. The word that we translate repent literally means to think differently, to change the way that you think. And in the last episode, we also talked about this idea of foundation versus function. And I don't want to like rehash the entire episode. If you didn't see the episode, you might want to go back, watch it. As a matter of fact, there should be like a little link somewhere on the screen right now to let you go back and watch that episode that just says stop repenting and start repenting. Check that out. Uh, the reason why is this one kind of pizzy, piggybacks on that idea. And so we want to make sure that you get that as well. Now, foundation versus function simply means this, that Oftentimes, we just like to be told exactly what to do rather than understand the reason behind what we should be doing. And this idea of think differently really comes out of the desire for us to understand the foundation of repentance and not just the function of repentance. God doesn't just want you to be sorry for your sin. God doesn't just want you to ask for forgiveness. God wants you to think and live differently, to walk out your faith differently than maybe you've been taught or maybe you've been told faith should be lived out. And this idea of thinking differently changes the game completely because it's not just about thinking differently about sin, but everything that has to do with our relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to jump on this journey again today, and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what we should think differently about. Now, I don't want to give you like this command of think and live differently without giving you some next steps for what that might look like. And we can actually get a lot of understanding of what Jesus meant in the story right before he starts his ministry. If you didn't watch last week's episode, which you should have already gone back and rewound and watched already, um, the Bible tells us that Jesus began his ministry by proclaiming 
repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, I think that's really important because it tells us that that's how he began. But what led him to that spot? Now, right before we see Jesus start his ministry, the Bible tells us that he went through a series of temptations. And we see in the scripture that he goes and he fasts and he prays. And then at the culmination of this time, he is tempted by Satan, by by the devil. And so we're going to look at these temptations to give us an idea of space in our own life that we need to think differently about, that we may need to shred the, the worldly view, the cultural view that we have and allow God uh, to invade that space and begin to think differently. But let's read this passage together. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Let's look at it. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. You want to talk about the most understated statement in Scripture? That would be it. Moving on. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word that comes out of the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and sat him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord, your God, to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord, your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, the angels came and were ministering to Jesus. So when we read this particular story in scripture, we see three temptations that were laid before Jesus. And I think that these invitations are actually really good depictions of some areas that we need to be intentional about thinking differently in our own life. They each give us a picture of an area that not only Jesus was tempted in, but we're tempted every day. Now, I think that the the thing that we need to really process in our mind when we talk about thinking differently is the truth that the enemy of your soul, devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, the enemy of your soul desires to distract you from how God wants you to think and how God wants you to see life and how God wants you to understand your relationship with him. And he will do anything and everything he can to keep you from thinking gospel-centered, from thinking New Testament covenant. He wants you to think that none of that applies to you. He wants you to think that that he is the only answer, that the way that he would have you live your life is the only real way to live. But the truth is God's called us to think differently. So how do we need to think differently? Now, the first thing we want to think differently about is in the area of what feeds us. Now, I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about what feeds you physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, all of those things together. What feeds you? You know, the truth is, is that what feeds you shapes you. What feeds you shapes you, both figuratively and literally, right? I think we all understand this, those of us who are adults, that what we put in our body affects our body. And even with age, you even see that shift. I remember when I was 18, 19 years old, 
I could eat uh, half a pizza by myself at midnight and go right to sleep. In the season of life that I'm in, if I eat pizza past like 5 p.m., uh, I'm going to have heartburn when I go to bed. I got to take some some old people Tums. You know what I'm saying? Like I got to pop some of those nasty, chalky things if I'm going to eat pizza after basically lunch. It's just part of it. What feeds me affects my life. What feeds me affects uh, my sleep patterns. When we're talking about physical food. It affects my sleep patterns. It affects my quality of life, how I feel. It also affects um, what I do, my productivity. There's studies that tell you that there are certain things you should and should not eat in a really hectic day. I know for me, I love Thai food. I love Thai food. Thai food is my jam. But if I eat really heavy Thai food with a boatload of rice, I'm not going to be very productive that afternoon. I've got to be careful. Now, I can mix it up with some veggies instead of some rice and do something like that. But it's going to affect how I live the rest of my day out. And this is true not only of what we feed ourselves physically, but it's also true of what we feed ourselves spiritually and emotionally. I think that all of us can look at the amount of news that we consumed over 2020 between the pandemic, between the riots, between everything going on, and we can all say it was probably too much. Why? Because it affected us significantly. Mental health issues are on the rise. Suicide is on the rise. Why? Because we allowed this chaos in our own life we allowed this chaos to affect us more than we ever should have let it. And I think that it actually made a lot of the things that happened in 2020 that much more worse because we were all stuck at home. We were watching news. We were doing uh, everything we could to take in information. And the only outlet for many that they had was to rant like a crazy person on social media, which by the way, helped no one. There, there is no good that has ever come. I have yet to see one documented case where people ranting on social media did anybody any good. But back to the topic at hand, what we feed shapes our life. It shapes us. It shapes us emotionally. The, the people that we allow to invest in our life shape us in every aspect. What we watch shapes us. What we read shapes us. And when we look at this very first temptation that Satan gives Jesus, it is directly connected to what was feeding him. Why? Because he was offering him food. He was offering him sustenance. He was offering him something that he could live off of. Let's look at this part one more time. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus answers this very difficult temptation by thinking differently. It, he was starving. He's, he'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a, that's a long time to go without food. And he was offered this moment to turn stones into bread so that he, in this moment, could perform a miracle and eat and fill that void. But he says something that's profound, that he doesn't get the, the sustenance he needs from the stone that he could turn into bread, but he gets it from the very words of God. What is feeding you? 
Is the news feeding you? Are your friends feeding you? What, what are you reading that's feeding you? I think that one of the greatest struggles we have as a culture today is that just because there's information out there that tells us we should live and, and think one way, that automatically if I read those things, I should go that way. I've watched so many people dramatically drop their spiritual and Christian values because they read a book that was convincing. And, and they're, they're reading a book by somebody who has an agenda. And I'm not saying that that agenda is evil, but anyone who writes a book is, has an agenda to help you think like they do. And while I'm by no means saying that we should only be people who read the Bible, I think the, the problem that many of us have is that we're reading other things and we're absorbing other things a lot more than we are Scripture. Many of us watch the news every day, but we pick up our Bible once a, or a couple of times a month. Many of us read uh, thoughts on maybe spirituality or theology or even thoughts on how to process the, the world around us, yet we're not picking up the words of God. We, we look for all of these different things to give us an understanding of how we should be processing what's going on around us when we've already been given the way to think through this, and it's found in Scripture. Now, it may take some mining. It may take some digging through the Word of God to understand how to deal with exactly what we're dealing with in the culture that we live in today. But the Holy Word of God, the, the canonized Scripture, was given to us. It's given to mankind as a gift to help us understand how to deal with anything that we may come up against in our life. And it may not deal with it directly, but it does deal with everything indirectly. We can read the word of God to help process how we could deal with any situation. And when we open up the word of God and we read it and we allow the character and the nature of God, which is what the word reveals to us, to wash over us, there's something that begins to happen on the inside of us. And if we will stop and stop listening to everything else around us and begin to think differently about what shapes our mind, what shapes our view of the world that we live in, and will allow the word of God to be the primary shaper of our um, worldview, then something will change. Some people call this a biblical worldview. Now, I personally don't love that term in general because a lot of people who say, I have a biblical worldview, are really using it to say, well, I have the right way to view scripture. And that's not how I'm using it at all. I'm simply inviting you as a person who says, hey, maybe I want to follow after Jesus. Maybe I want to figure out how to do this Christian thing to understand that you can have a biblical worldview by opening up the word of God and saying, God, speak to me about your character and your nature and help me understand how that can shape the world that I live in. If I want to think differently, I have to start thinking differently in what feeds my soul. The second area that we need to learn to think differently is in the area of trust. That we are to be people who, as Proverbs says, trust the Lord with all of our heart. That we're to trust God with our life. That we're to trust God with, with how we live and, and living the way that pleases him. And when there's conflict out of that, that we still trust God in that. The second temptation of Jesus is all about trust. The Bible tells us that when Jesus is taken to the second temptation, Satan takes him to the top of the temple, the pinnacle, this scripture says in the ESV, and they look out and he says, throw yourself down, and if you are the son of God, you will be caught by angels because you, they will not let you strike your heel. And what we're seeing right here for Jesus is this tension between testing God 
and trusting God. We live in a world that says, show me the money, right? That says, let me prove and then I'll trust. Or I need to see proof that it's okay for me to trust you. And there's this idea that we should have the right to test instead of trust. But Proverbs doesn't say test God and then trust him. He just says, it just says, trust him, trust him with all of your heart. And if I want to think differently, I have to be willing to have faith-filled trust. Faith-filled trust is choosing to allow my faith in Jesus, my faith in God to be the evidence, all the evidence that I need to put my trust in him. And I know that from some of us, we struggle with trust. Why? Because people have hurt us. People have abused that trust. People have uh, been disloyal or people have wounded us when we've trusted them. And believe me, I am someone who has experienced a lot of disloyalty and a lot of offense because I was willing to trust people. But the truth is that God still calls us to trust him, that no matter what all of these other people may have done to you, God did not do those things to you. And we can stand on the truth that he is trustworthy, that God is worthy of our trust. And if we'll choose to trust in him, if we'll choose to trust that that he is a good God and that he is a faithful God, then we'll see him come through all the way till the end. And Jesus knew that. He said to Satan, it's written, do not put your Lord, your God to the test. So when we talk about testing versus trusting God, we need to understand that we have to think differently. We have to choose to trust first and be willing to allow our faith to be the evidence for that test that we may desire to have. And while we may not get to see or or see a test before we trust, I know this, and I'm standing confidence in this, that when we trust God, we always see him come through. It may look different than it looks like for you or for me, or maybe even what we wanted it to look like, but God always comes through. He is always good. He's always faithful to come through in the promises that he's given us. He is worthy of that trust. The third area that we need to begin to think differently about is in the area of power. It's in the area of power, which really is a continuation of the discussion of trust, but it's inside of this third temptation. Satan takes Jesus and he says, I will give you all the power you ever could have in the world. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, I'll give you everything if you will in this moment bow down and worship me. And Jesus responds that much more intensely than any other of the temptations. And he says, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. My question for you is how do you think about power? What do you think about power? What do you think about when we talk about power and influence? Because ultimately, that was the trade-off for Jesus. That was the trade-off. If he would worship Satan in that moment, that Satan would give him any power he could ever imagine. There's a there's an old story about a guitar player in the 1950s. You actually see it um, kind of portrayed in the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And it's about this guitar player that sells his soul to the devil so that he could be the best guitar player in the world. And it's all about him having this great gift, this great influence, this great ability. 
And the problem that we have is that for many of us, we're like that 1950s guitar player. We want all of the power. We want all of the influence. We want whatever that ability is that we desire. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves willing to do awful things in order to get it willing to do things that go against our very character, our very nature. And what we see in this passage is that opportunity given to Jesus. And Jesus shows us how to think differently in this moment, specifically how to think differently about power. And the first thing that we can see out of Jesus' response is that it's not about you having power. It's about surrendering to a God that is all-powerful. You know, for many of us, it's about building us and it's about building a career or it's about building a brand or it's about whatever. But the truth is, it's really when I learn to think differently, not about me, it's about God. What can I offer to God? What can I do to, to build up and magnify God, not myself? The second thing that we see Jesus think differently on with power is that he brought it back to worship. He brought it back to worship. You know, Jesus was offered all of this opportunity for his worship. And power really comes down to who we worship. Do we worship ourselves? Will we do whatever it takes to elevate ourselves? Or will we do what it takes to elevate God? Will we do what it takes to worship God in our own life? Will we give up an opportunity that sounds great, that sounds phenomenal, because it's what God's called us to do, even when it feels like a step back? And Jesus is saying, it's about who I worship. It's not about who gives me power. And what I love about that is that for, for me, there have been seasons in my own life where that's been a struggle. And I, I've had opportunities in several different seasons of my life to change jobs or to change part of our, my career to go do something else. And, and they seemed like really awesome opportunities. And it was a struggle because a large part of my ego said, yes, I want to do that. Yes, I want to take that, that shift. But when I began to pray about it, the question came up, who, who am I here to please? Am I here to just build a career or am I here to please God? And in those moments, uh, uh, several times, I sat back and had to realize and humble myself and go, you know what? I'm here to serve God. I'm here to serve God. I can think of a couple of times when I was on staff at a church that was going through a really rough season. And people out of the goodness of their heart would recommend me for other roles. And so I would just get cold called to go work for these larger churches that weren't going through a difficult season. But when I stopped and thought about it and really asked the Lord what he would have me do, it always came back to who am I here to serve? It's not about who can give me more. It's not about who can make me uh, more well-known or give me better opportunities. It's about who I am serving. We even see that in the scripture. It says that we are to serve him and him alone. Jesus gives us a, a few different understandings of thinking differently about power, that we are in totality to surrender all of that back to God. So if we want to think differently, we need to think about what, what feeds us. We need to think about trust versus testing in our life. We need to think differently about that. And then the other thing that we need to think differently about is power. Do we have a healthy biblical view of power in our own life? Do we see what power is in our hands as something that we're stewarding for God or something that we have for ourselves? We always should be pointing that toward, back towards God. Now, 
when we talk about this idea of truly repenting, truly thinking differently, there are a lot of other areas that we could talk about. We could probably spend three or four more episodes just talking about those specific areas, dealing with identity, dealing with sexuality, dealing with um, what, what scripture says about us in general, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we are not our mistakes and we are not our shame and we are not our sin. We could spend forever going through all of the scripture that encourages us to think differently. I hope our time has done something in you that sparks something on the inside of you that says, I can't continue to think the same way. I can't continue to walk out my faith with all of these ideas from the world around me, but I want a biblical worldview. I want to really repent. I want to choose to think differently, to think gospel-centered, to think New Covenant, New Testament, and begin to have my own revelation of the goodness and favor of God in my own life. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I've enjoyed it. I hope that it blesses you. Do me a favor. Take just a moment. Share this content with somebody that maybe you know needs to think differently. Maybe you know they're struggling in one of those areas and it could be something that changes their life. Hit that share button. Text it to somebody. Put it on your social media. However you do it. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next week.